Let's go. You're listening to KZSU, Stanford University's FM radio station, broadcasting across the Yay area on 90.1 and across the world at KZSU.org. Welcome to Brands, Beats, and Bites, hosted by Daryl D.C. Cobbin and Larry Taman. Brands, Beats, and Bites stands at the intersection of brand, tech, and culture. We bring you interesting people and insightful points of view on what's popping and not popping in marketing, tech, culture, and beyond. D.C. and Larry are fascinated with the stories and people behind some of the best marketing in the business. No matter how dope your product, if your marketing sucks, your company may suck too. They both serve as managing partners at marketing consultancy Brand Positioning Doctors, where they help companies large and small, tech and non-tech, build better marketers so they can build great brands. Brand nerds, brand nerds, brand nerds. Brands, beats, and bites back at you. I think you all have heard me say this a few times over the course of these 100-plus podcasts. I don't believe in coincidences. I think everything has an order. And our next guest is someone that I met through two good friends, Greg and Dan at Uniworld Group. One day they called me, they talk about a client they have. I won't tell you the client. Larry will say that in a moment. They said, hey, hey, DC. Now, again, I'm not an athlete, so I don't typically speak of myself in third person, but this time I'm just going (laughs) to make an exception, make an exception. Hey, DC, we've got this client. They're doing very special things in the area of culturally inclusive marketing. And so, they said, uh, mm, cultural inclusive and relevant market. And they, I, I think they'd like to have you come and do a chat with them. Long story short, I ended up meeting um, the person who's on our podcast now. And wow, I was blown away at this executive. She's a globe trotter. She is a marketer that knows how to do more than marketing. And she's also a pioneer. And so it is It is a great honor to have her on the show in the building today. Larry, would you please let the brand nerds know who's with us? Oh, yes, Dee. We have Aisha Williams in the house today. Welcome, Aisha. Thank you. Pleasure to be here today. And Aisha, he is not BSing when he, he came back from that original talk and said, oh, man. I met this incredible person and, and he's like, we, and we're like, we got to get her on the show. So here she yes. is. Yes. Well, we said, we said, we said the same thing about DC, but he's been back to see us about three, four times with some other. <laughs> Definitely that is mutual. true. That is, that is true. So Aisha, let's get into your, uh, your amazing intro here for your wonderful career that is right in the middle of you doing wondrous things. So Aisha does her undergraduate work at Franklin and Marshall and then obtains an MBA from University of Pittsburgh Katz Graduate School. Her first job out of college is as a a market manager with Free Markets, which was one of the first business-to-business e-commerce companies founded during the dot-com boom of the late 90s, early 2000s. And they got a big payout. They were bought uh, by Ariba soon after that. So this job is really significant for Aisha since it is really a future-forward job and taught her from day one to share ideas and accept change. The company was doubling in size every two weeks, Brand Nerds. Yes, oh, that's right. Oh, wow. Two weeks, right? 
And there were no set rules. And if you had an idea to make a policy or ways of working better, you set it. And that became the new policy for everyone the next day. It was a time where people threw balls and toys around the office. There was free beer and coolers on Friday. We get the vibe, very Silicon Valley vibe here. This is foundational for Aisha since it taught her to be open to possibility as a leader. So after grad school, Aisha launches her brand career, first working at Snapple Cadbury Schweppes on the Snapple brand. So what a great brand day to work for, for, for any person to start, right? The first brand is a brand like Snapple. Isn't that and cool? free Snapple, free Snapple at the office. I've had <laughs> Snapple also. Yeah. So now after, after that stint at Snapple Cadbury Schweppes, Aisha joins GlaxoSmithKline, also known as GSK, starting as a brand manager of multicultural marketing and embarks upon a fabulous 16-year run there. So the highlights at GSK include as a business leader for global branded smokers business, and those are the brands such as Nicorette, Nicoderm CQ, et cetera. She led the team through a time of many challenges in a corporate joint venture. She set the strategic agenda for a cross-functional global team of 30 people. Uh, there were R&D folks, medical and regulatory associates, and also four global marketing directors and, and, uh, and brand managers with P&L accountability across 28 global markets. So fluent in Spanish, Aisha gets a fantastic international opportunity to then be, to, to move to Rio de Janeiro. That sounds just wonderful, Aisha. Mm -hmm. To be the consumer healthcare area marketing director for all of Latin America, which includes 33 countries in South America, Central America, and the Caribbean. Aisha is responsible for commercial marketing strategies in five categories, leading a team of 14 brand managers, diverse experts, and partnering with market research, analytics, media, and communications to drive strategy and execution across the entire region. So then she gets bumped up. She gets promoted to be country manager for Ecuador, where she is responsible for the full P&L and operation of the entire market, while also leading the sales organization and transforming the go-to-market brand and talent strategies to really accelerate sales and profit growth. So really running the whole business within uh, the country of Ecuador. And her last job at GSK, she gets a really big bump. She's the U.S. Director of Business Operations, where she is an integral member of the U.S. leadership team of the consumer healthcare business, driving business planning, operational excellence, and strategic preparation required for transforming the consumer healthcare business into a standalone public company. So just about a year ago, Aisha is presented with a fantastic opportunity to be the head of culturally relevant and inclusive marketing for the Janssen Pharmaceutical Companies of J&J, &J, of Johnson & Johnson, hence where DC and Aisha came across one another. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She is a member of the patient engagement and customer solutions team, and Aisha leads the critical work to develop and embed a CIR marketing capability across Janssen North America to transform health experience and outcomes for diverse patient populations. In her free time, Aisha is co-founder of the Girl Exec Professional Coaching Series on YouTube and proudly serves on the board of directors for the Research for Action Educational Research Organization. Welcome to Brands, Beats, and Bites, Aisha Williams. Oh my gosh, Larry, thank you for that. Um, thank you for that introduction. When I hear all that first, I'm like, who are they talking about? And then, <laughs> and then I say, thank God. I, I, I'm, I'm extremely blessed and blessed to be a blessing. I'm actually sitting here at Research for Action today. We have our quarterly board meeting oh, cool. all about driving education for young people of color. So I'm, I'm really honored to be here. That's awesome. 
Aisha Larry Gibbs the appropriate flowers because they happen <laughs> to be real. So that's right. your flowers, Aisha, your flowers. All right, listen, listen, I appreciate You know, it's interesting, um, you know, when you think about my career journey in brands, it's sort of that similar theme, always being open to new things, wanting to try new experiences, wanting to expand into new places. I think that's what make what makes brands tick. And for me, that's just energizing. That's just the joy of life. So I'm thankful mm -hmm. for every part of that journey that you listed out. Mm -hmm. Aisha, our next section is called Get Comfy. And here there is a theme that I've noticed in your experience from early on. Mm -hmm. And that, Aisha, happens to be that you go into areas that are new either big companies and new things inside mm -hmm. of big companies or startups that are doing new things. And you're doing that even now inside of your organization at J&J uh, and, and Jansen. It's an, it, I think it was a newly created role. Am I right about the that? New role. The new yeah, role. The new role. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. So, so this, this theme I've noticed in the, in the background and experience. There's another thing that uh, that happens with uh, uh, Black Americans specifically, Aisha, you'll be familiar with this. I used to hear this when I was at the Coca-Cola company, mm -hmm. and that is the following. Black Americans don't, at this time, did not look towards international assignments, meaning living in other places around the world, specifically mm -hmm. Black executives. Mm -hmm. And I would hear this and I would get curious about why that was the case. Now, I've, I've never lived internationally while I was in a corporate role. I lived internationally as an entrepreneur, okay. but not in a corporate role. Mm -hmm. And at the time, Coca-Cola is, you know, global com uh, company. I did work in a global job. And one of the things that I, when I would talk with my colleagues about why we were not interested in doing that mm -hmm. is they said, well, you know, I don't, I don't want my children Right. To not be around other Black Americans. This, this, mm -hmm. this is one of the reasons why um, some of the folks did not go. But you went. Mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. you have lived internationally. Right. And so I'd like you to just chat a bit about what you process to determine right. that kind of move or those kind of moves are right for you. And what right. you might say to others who may be considering an international right. move. Right. No, you know, this is this is interesting because um, this past weekend I was at my undergraduate school, which sparked for me that love of, of culture international. So I grew up in Pittsburgh, PA. Okay. And at that time, and still probably mostly the case, Pittsburgh was black and white. Okay. My whole childhood in the Pittsburgh public school system, I don't mm. think I ever, to my knowledge, I don't remember one Hispanic American, one Asian American, we were black or we were white. And we were all on a verge of, of, of purely in the poor bucket or poor, maybe with a little $5 in their pocket. Okay, okay. And so okay. <laughs> so in that, that's, 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 the, that's, that, that's the, the vibe. So when I went to, to undergraduate school on a full academic scholarship, it was the only way I would have been able to afford to go. It opened up this world of culture and international and these people from all over the place. And what happened was, as a freshman, you had to take a Spanish test to, to pass the language requirement. You took it mm -hmm. and then you didn't have to worry about that anymore. 99% of the people passed this test. It's like, hola and buenos dias. I failed the test. <laughs> I failed the test. And so I had to take 
a Spanish 101 to meet this requirement. And I took it and I fell in love. Wow. I just fell in love with that feeling that you get when you're you're speaking another language and then you take mm. on the mannerisms of the culture. And then I just loved it. So all throughout college, I was going to salsa dance shows. I, I, I did traditional African dance, even well into adulthood before I have kids performing traditional African dance. I'd go to the international house party. I just sort of fell in love. So that was in the college context, but it birthed in me this desire where at that point in undergraduate, I said, I want to live abroad and I want to speak in a different language living abroad. So in college, wow. I studied abroad in Spain. I lived with a family of Mayan Indians in Costa Rica. You know, I had all those scholarship now, but I did all these things. And so in my professional life, I first did a multicultural marketing stint with GSK like 15 years ago. I had quit the company. So Larry, I started at GSK. I quit a year later and went to Snapple. And then the people called me back to GSK because mm -hmm. they knew I spoke Spanish. I just called Sorry, I had that wrong. Wow. Right. Okay. I left and came back to lead this new product launch where they had the general plan, but they wanted a Spanish language plan. Uh, for Hispanic Americans and a specific spin on it for Black Americans. And so that was me, you know, not even by something I had planned, but God just sort of brought it mm -hmm. to get into that, uh, that experience. But I'll say this, if you've never considered it, living abroad is like nothing else I can describe. Mm -hmm. When you go, I went to Brazil. Brazil's a bit closer in because Brazil is mostly people of color. Mm -hmm. You go there and what you realize is as a black woman specifically, no matter where you are, blackness just has a core sense mm. to it. I remember being at the store and seeing a man and going up thinking, oh, there's another black American. And he's speaking back in Portuguese, right? But there's just something about the look. Um, I would have people from the office who were people of color at my house. We just sort of all laughed at the same joke. So, so personally, it taught me something about um, blackness. And then I think that as a leader, from that standpoint, there's something about learning how to lead people who come from a different perspective. So I'm going to speak in generalities, nobody get mad, but generalities. In Brazil, it was a much more emotional culture than the mm -hmm. U.S. I laugh and say my first month, I had somebody crying. It was just normal. Somebody just crying about something. It, it, in my office every week. And it, it made me have to learn how to not be so, uh, 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 you know, because I'm formal. DC will notice I'm real formal as a personality type. I just am. But, but have to relate to people in a different way, have to understand people in a different way in order to help them grow and relate to them. So in leadership, it's absolutely stretching. Um, and then I think strategy. When I went to Brazil, I was the head of marketing for Latin America. And so I was trying to take the, the global strategy for Sensodyne toothpaste, but how does it show up in Argentina? How does it show up in the Caribbean? How does it show up in Mexico? And that flexes just your mind, uh, your, 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 your business skills, you know, inflation. Some countries have inflation. How are you going to work out the pricing? Some countries had a, had a military coup next week. How are you going to deal with that? So I just think that if you want a life-changing personal experience, if you want to stretch your, your leadership profile, if you want to think about how to strategize in new ways, 
living abroad for me is is where it's at and it has absolutely changed me as a person and that is the gift that Latin America has been to me. Wow. Awesome. Since college. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I, I'll make a quick comment here, but Larry, do you have anything before I make a quick comment and get, give it over to you? I just have a quick comment. I think it's a, I think it's a wonderful way that I should explain that, you know, starting from college and thinking about not knowing Ola, right? right, and, then, right. <laughs> and then, and being conversant so much that you're, uh, you're, just sinking yourself in and living abroad. That's, that's incredible. It's impressive. Uh, but Aisha, you are an impressive human. Yes. Uh, so two things, generalities. Aisha mentioned generalities. So uh, brand nerds, for those of you who have not either lived and or worked internationally, I'm going to give you a way to figure out a culture early in the business context. I don't know if it's this way post-COVID, because of Zoom. But if you are actually physically in other countries, I do know that it worked this way pre-COVID. And that's the following. Pay close attention to how meetings began. Mm. I've worked in uh, in Brazil. Um, I've worked in Rio. I've worked in Sao Paulo. I've worked in some of the smaller areas. Here is the way the meetings would begin in Brazil. You will know this, Aisha. Mm -hmm. What's happening with your family? Right, right. What's what's going on with you? Those were the what questions. The what's were about them, the yes. people, how they were doing. So that would get discussed for 10, 15 minutes. Half an hour. Then, half an hour. Half an hour. <laughs> and then the meeting would begin. Okay. Now I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, when is hey? You're like, okay, we know your family's good. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. Then then Second, uh, second in Germany, I've been to Berlin, Dusseldorf, Essen. They have a different what question? What question? What's the agenda? Okay, mm. we can right into the agenda, right into the meeting. I am not judging one. I'm not placing one above another. They're just different, and right. they speak to the cultures internationally. And it's up to you to figure it out and to sync up with that. That's really what you're saying, Dee. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, with that. Without uh, the judgment, just I think your point is without the judgment. Without the judgment, no, nope. right. absent of any judgment. Yep. That's all. You yep. go with that. All right, so Aisha, we have a uh, a sponsor now at Brand Beats and Bites, and it's the first sponsor that we've had. It's our partner as well, and Larry is going to read for the peoples the ad. Larry. Yes. All right, D. Thanks. So, hey, Brand Nerds, back here to talk with you about specificity. So digital marketing is pretty much at the center of everything today. And brand nerds, if you want to optimize your digital marketing to maximize results, we have the solution for you. Last November, the landscape of digital marketing changed forever. At that time, Apple's iOS update was structured to provide users the opportunity to opt out of ads with more than 90% of users opting out. The Android devices quickly followed and with similar numbers on the opt-out. This situation created complete upheaval for the entire digital marketing infrastructure with engagement rates falling precipitously. So now you know why you're a retired person living in Tucson, Arizona, and all of a sudden you're being hit with snow removal services. That's serious money down the drain. Here's where specificity comes in to save the day. Specificity does not track or know users' personal data, such as name, social security number, et cetera. Specificity uses device ID numbers 
similar to a VIN number on a car. So they track what users are doing without knowing their personally identifiable information, working in harmony with the post privacy update. So now with specificity, both the consumer and the advertiser are happy since consumers see digital ads that are actually relevant for them and advertisers serve ads to people that are receptive to the message. So let's give a real life example. If our friends at Beyond Meat wanted to use specificity, they can serve ads to consumers who are vegans, vegetarians, and or those who might may be interested in a meat alternative without wasting any of their precious ad spend on the significant group that are carnivores without any interest in trying a meat alternative, such as my wife, Sherry, who's a very happy carnivore. This would enable Beyond Meat to be incredibly efficient in serving the message only to those who would be receptive and doing it in a way that completely respects said consumer's privacy since they do not know or learn any personal information about those people. The bottom line is in 2022, we believe no one else out there can deliver better digital marketing results than specificity. We have introduced specificity to many clients and everyone is super happy since each client has been more successful with their digital marketing efforts than they were before. So for more information on specificity, please visit their website at specificityinc.com. Again, specificityinc.com. That's S-P-E-C-I-F-I-C-I-T-Y-I-N-C.com. Their website is also on our show notes. If you want to improve your digital marketing results, go check them out. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Larry. Shout specificity one time. I still were going to five questions. I go, Larry goes until we get to five. I get the uh, honor of starting. Aisha, I want you to take yourself back to when you were a young person and you experienced a brand that captured your heart and soul. This, this brand you loved spending time with, this brand you could not get out of your mind, this brand you may have even coveted, almost like a first love. What was this brand or brand experience for you? <laughs> it's, uh, it's funny you say brand experience because my philosophy as a marketer is, is the good brands make you feel something and make you want to mm -hmm. want to do something, want to be something. So mm -hmm. I have three letters, uh, TLC. TLC. The group, <laughs> the, the group TLC, which yeah. I hope counts as a brand. TLC was a brand. In well, my that, that, it, that TLC's a brand now. They oh, yeah. Yep. Okay, so 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 I'm in eighth grade, maybe early ninth grade when TLC came out, and it was like a phenomenon. You had these three women who were in the yellow and the orange shirts and the big hairdos, and they were rolling, and they had this whole female empowerment. Um, that's what I call it now because it's fancy. Back then, it was just like, listen, these are some cool, some cool girls, mm -hmm. right. and I remember how. As my friends, we wanted to be like the girls of TLC. I was looking mm -hmm. at um, an old photo book recently showing my kids some pictures of me when I was young and I came across this picture where I had the TLC look. So I had the bright purple shorts, like the long, you know, the shorts that went a little bit long, like past yep. the knee shorts. Mm -hmm. You had to have the TLC stacked socks. So I had the thick white. Then I had the thick purple. Then I had the thir tur turquoise. So the, the socks almost went up to your knee to meet the oversized shorts. I had on this tie-dye, big oversized shirt. And then to make the look complete, I had the gel. Back then, we used to use a lot of gel. The Not left the gel. Not the gel. Okay. The gel. That black. The gel. 
the gel hat, the slick back, and then the big puff on the right. And so, you know, thinking about a brand, that just comes to mind. Some friends wore the fake eye patch uh, <laughs> to school after they came out, but it was just something that made us feel and want to be and want to be like. And to me, that's what brands do. So when I think of a brand that I fell in love with, that just took me over, it would be TLC, where I was a TLC light in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I just love that, D. Is that awesome? I love it. Baby, baby, baby. My favorite song is, is, is No Scrubs. No Scrubs. No Scrubs, yeah, no, no Scrubs. <laughs> so, uh, so shout uh, TLC, uh, Chili, T-Boz, and rest in peace, Lisa Left Eye Lopez. That's, that's right. They had an impact. They had an impact. Yeah, all right, Larry, next. Yeah, let's go to the next question. That's I love the way you took us back there, though, Aisha. That was great. <laughs> so who's had or is having the most influence on your career? You know, this is, um, I do have a, have a person, but I'll just say that I have been incredibly blessed. This is just the theme of my life, to have a lot of people who have influenced me. And I'll say a lot of people who have sponsored me, uh, which is different than mentorship or people who've been nice, but a lot of sponsorship in my career. But I want to speak about a person who's been a sponsor and an influence, and her name is Jean. I won't say her last name, but her name is Jean. And Jean is somebody, a leader, senior leader, who I've known for about 12 or 13 years. But she, in, and I work with her now, uh, again, she influences me every day. And I think it's because I'm influenced by great leadership. I've reached a point in my life and just what's important to me. If I'm in a setting and I see a leader who I think is just great and how they're operating in a way, it makes me smile. Like it does something to me. I enjoy it. And so Jean has a couple of things that, that influence me and in, in her, um, her approach. First, she's very bold. So this is a woman who, uh, she's not a woman of color, this will be relevant in a second, but a woman who I have seen twice totally switch up uh, an organization structure, a ways of working, what people assumed was a yes or a no in the rules, where she's blown it up and then everybody else wanted to follow. And that makes me say, mm, you don't, you can step outside of the mold. I think she's also a leader who, in the work I do culturally inclusive, it's relevant. She is about that life in terms of driving equity. I was in Ecuador when all of the recent, you know, uh, social justice movement kicked off with Mr. Floyd, et cetera. And I would wake up every morning to say, what in the world is happening in my country? And half the times I look at the Facebook, I see Jean at the march, putting some <laughs> proclamation on, on the Facebook. You know, she was yeah. just about it. And from Ecuador, I'm like, man, Jean is absolutely, you know, Jean is absolutely phenomenal. And then I think the other thing is that She's a leader who's so real. So, you know, you may see her in a suit, but most of the time she's in her motorcycle jacket from her Harley. You know, she's not using all the this, the thou, the they. She's just talking plain talk to get the business done. And so I shout out Jean because that sense of boldness, that sense of be yourself, that sense of look out for all the different people around you intentionally is something that I really respect and she's somebody that truly influences me to be a better leader in all those areas and more because of what I admire about her. Mm. Wow. 
Shout out to Gene. Shout <laughs> out to Gene D. I don't have anything to add to that. That's just awesome. Do you want to? Do you want to? You have anything to add, D? Or you want to go to the next question? I don't. I love. I love Gene. I don't know her, but yes. I'm already. I want to meet Gene. Right? I, I want to hang with Gene. <laughs> All right. Next question. I, I'm curious about this one for you, uh, Aisha. Mm. Given all of the first that you have been a part of, what is your biggest F up? And <laughs> this is one just yours, Aisha. No one right. else's. Right. Your F up. Right. And what did you learn from it? Yeah, yeah. Um, like like everyone, I've had several. Um, but um I think I, I think I would highlight one that was when I effed up myself. Okay. Because uh, I think it's 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 relevant. This was about maybe ten years ago. I had worked on one of the biggest, most significant, you know, most most um, groundbreaking things I had ever done in my career. This project was mine. It was my baby. It was that thing that you always would make sure no matter what question was going to be asked in the interview, you were going to mention this one. <laughs> so that, that's right, that, that one, any, what's your name? I'm going to mention this project. It was right. just my big thing at the time. Mm -hmm. And it reached a point where we got to the meeting to share the big thing with the big person at the company, mm -hmm. right? The boss is boss, the boss, boss. Mm -hmm. And so I'm in the meeting. It's me. And it's another person who had been a part of it with me, but it was my baby, but the leader knew that person better. So we go into this meeting and I'm on the we train. First, we did this, then we did that, then the team did this, and then we had this result. And so I, I weed it to death. And this is relevant. I think this is so relevant um, uh, for women, for young leaders. And so at the end of the meeting, the man says, let's say Sally, the other woman, because he knew Sally, Sally. This is the best piece of work I've ever seen, Sally. Sally, you all have done a phenomenal job, Sally. And I felt like the water woman in this meeting. Mm. And Sally was important, but it was my thing. Mm -hmm. But the F up was, I left it to an assumption whether this Varsity boss would understand, hey, I didn't, you know, I'm talking about stuff uh, I And I left the meeting saying to myself, I will never, ever, ever again give away the power of my contributions to leave it up for interpretation. And mm -hmm. I mentioned this because I think about interviews, right? We've all interviewed just many, many people. Across countries, 98% of them are also with a ticket on the WE train. And I leave saying, what did you do? And so I did that and I decided there. Now, what happened, right? So I'm going to mention it one more time. I happened to have been working with Gene. <laughs> I went to Gene and I said, Gene, the people don't understand that this was my thing. She went and actually told the leader, look, I just need you to be clear. This is what I should say. But nobody's going to be running behind doing that for you, yeah. right? So I, yeah. I was fortunate at that time. And so there's something where they say that when you think about how you grow in your career, that 10% is your performance of what you do. 30% is image, what others think about you. And 60% of it is who knows about what you do. And mm. so 
for me, it was from now on, I have to make sure I own and people understand what I have done. And I think, had I not learned from that F up then, you know, and now I'm not on the I train, we got to balance it out. But I think it taught me to own my work, be proud of it, not make that mistake. And I think that's what helped get me to where I am. I don't know if that counts in the category the type of F up you're looking for, but that stung for me and it taught me something that was life changing. Aisha, can you just break down the percentages in the areas again that you just mentioned so the brand nerds can get that? Yes, yes. This is, this is a wide-ranging study that was done. It says that when you look at your career advancement, 10% is your performance, what you do. 30% is image, what others think of you. And 60% is exposure, who knows about what you do. You need to make sure others know about what you do. Got it. Thank you. That's heavy. Yep. Uh, I, I don't have a follow-up on that, uh, but I, I might have a comment later. Larry, you, you got anything before you go to the next question? I just have a, a quick comment before I go to the next question. Um, I'm so glad you shared this with us, Aisha, but I will say to you that it, coming from somebody with a team sports background, I've always been about on the we train. <laughs> and, I think, and I think there's a balance, right? I think you're, you're hundred percent right to know that, uh, to make sure people know, you know, who is, is running, who's the epicenter to, to the work. But at the same time, when everybody is rowing in the same direction and other people are happy to give others the credit, if you actually set up the culture that way, that's the best place to be. So anyway, that's just a quick, Quick comment. No, I, um, I, I, can, I completely agree and don't want to be misunderstood as be on the I train, but it is a balance and there's a time and a sure. place where you have to make your contributions. Totally agree. All right, next question. Regarding technology and marketing, you've seen the rise of tech uh, throughout your career and the importance it now plays with us marketers. Can you tell us where you think marketers should lean in or best leverage tech versus areas that they should be leery? You know, technology is interesting because technology is, is rarely the thing. The thing is what technology unlocks uh, for what we're trying to do and what's important to us. So um, some recent experiences for me as it relates to marketers and healthcare. I went to this conference a few weeks ago. It's called the Healthy Voices Conference. And it's a conference of online patient advocates. So these are people who either live with a health condition have a family member, um, you know, have lost someone, but this is what they do. And I thought it was an interesting use of technology in the healthcare space because it used to be, like most industries, as the brand or as a company, you're an expert. You put out what you want people to know, you, whether it's social media, any outlet, you put it out. But what Healthy Voices has done in this whole notion of how now people suffering from health conditions are using technology it puts them in the driver's seat. And I think that's something that in healthcare is underutilized today. So I was listening to this lady who does online advocacy for um, heart-related conditions. And she puts out just her ups, her downs. Mm -hmm. She sends a video of what it's like in treatment. She sends, you know, taking, taking the medication. And she said that recently someone wrote her from Germany and the person told her that when they saw her video on what it was like to experience heart failure, that mm -hmm. this person said, I think I'm feeling some stuff, let me go to the doctor. And the person oh. was in heart failure. 
And wow. then ladies use, again, the technology isn't new, but this empowering that people, number one, are just doing on their own and more that we can do to have these individuals share out the really real, help somebody else take the action they wouldn't have taken to help save their lives. So I think that, you know, tech is not a, it's not a new tech, but how to use tech in new ways to empower advocates for your brand or the other things that your brand cares about as a way to absolutely explode the impact of your messaging. And I think in healthcare, that's something that, that we're on to, but that we need to do a lot more. Love it. That's great. That's a great example too. That's mm -hmm. really crystallized that for us. D, uh, I'm, I don't have anything else. How about yourself? You want to go to the next question? I do not. I do not. Aisha, what are you most proud of? <laughs> As you can see me, this is my biggest smile yet because I, I have to start with my family. Mm -hmm. um, I have two. Can I sneak in two, two prouds? But I'm going to start. Please. Most proud, most proud is my family. I have, uh, I, you know, you don't do any of this stuff. Any of us, don't, whatever we do, we don't do it alone. So I want to shout out to my extremely loving and supportive husband, Brian, who you talk about this international experience. He had just gotten elevated to a position he had always wanted at his job when the offer came up to go to Brazil. Wow. And he dropped all that because wow. he knew I had this dream that I told you since college to go and to live and to work abroad. So I want to shout out to my husband, Brian. I want to shout out to our two amazing, intelligent, handsome, incredible children, Clayton and Evan, uh, who are the joys of my life. I'm most proud of the family that, uh, that God has blessed me to have, no doubt. Pause, period. I Love will you. also say, I will also say one thing that really makes me proud, this is just a personal value of mine. I met a woman who, uh, who knew me growing up a little while ago and, and we were talking, we were running to each other and she said, you know, Aisha, um, you're still the same. And just very personally, you know, I've been around the world, I've done this, I've done that. But for me, it's in, that was magic to my ears because I feel like the leadership that I respect, and of course I've evolved a little bit more fancy, but when, mm. when I'm engaging with people, whether they're people, the, 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 you know, the boss, your boss, boss, if, if it's the patients who are, are, are challenged by really life-threatening disease, if I'm back in my old neighborhood, when people can look at me and say that human element, that grounded element, we still relate to in you. I want to always keep that no matter where life takes me. And I'm proud of that because I think by rooting myself in the grace of God, it's something that's a core part of who I am. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's so deep. And, and I should, that's something no one else in our hundred plus episodes has. And, and we've had amazing people say amazingly cool things in what they're most proud of. And no one's said anything remotely like that. Mm. And I just love that because what you're really saying is, you know, the essence of who you are, the core of who you are is still the same as when you were a kid, mm. but just sort of added to it, right? Um, and, and so for somebody else to recognize that, and then for you to recognize that, to be proud of that, that's awesome. Thanks, Larry, thanks. It's also unique. 
All right, Aisha, we are now moving to the next segment. And the next segment is called What's Poppin'? And that's Larry <laughs> gonna take us there. All right. All right. What's poppin'? What's poppin', D? What's poppin', Aisha? What's poppin'? <laughs> Aisha, this is our chance to shout out, shout down, or simply ask something happening in and around marketing today that we think is good fodder for discussion. So, D, you want to lead us off? You go, bro. Okay, I'll, I'm happy to go. Uh, all right, so I don't know if you all caught, uh, Mark Pritchard is the chief brand officer at uh, Procter & Gamble, and he spoke earlier this week at the Association of uh, National Advertisers, better known as ANA, and I wanna read you all some highlights of his speech. So he said, quote, it's high time to retire the archaic term of general market. And he added that general is only two letters different from generic. And our job is to be distinctive, not generic, not average, not homogeneous. So Pritchard called on, on marketers to abandon their general market orientation in every regard, including consumer research, creative executions, minority representation in ads, and media buying segmentation. He's advocating a big shift from general market media to media targeting explicitly targeted explicitly at minority audiences. In fact, he even called for an end to media plans based on overall consumer reach, reach and, and replace them with ones delivering explicit minority audience reach. So what he said, quote, to reach people with our marketing and ultimately convert them to purchase, we need to break the media reach habit that goes something like this. Well, Mark, my brand is already reaching black consumers with our general mar market media buy. In fact, we're reaching 63% of black audiences versus the national average of 60%. We're good. And he said, quote, well, my question back is, why are there market share gaps if you're reaching more than the national average? Why is 63% considered good? Why can't we reach 90% of black consumers? So Pritchard implied that P&G has been doing that in their media buys and showed a variety of campaign executions aimed explicitly at those audiences. He said P&G is not just doing it because of the right thing to do for diversity, but because it is the right thing to do from a business perspective. Your thoughts? Aisha? I love that. Listen, I'm going to use that in my email signature. General is two words off from generic. <laughs> First of all, that is- Isn't that, that great? That, that is brilliant. No, this this is at the heart of the work that, you know, we have a lot, lot to do in the healthcare industry specifically, where really we're, we're impacting lives. But this is exactly the type of work that I'm so passionate about and that we lead in, in my organization. And I tell people all the time, I'll just say the stats quickly for, you know, for your listeners. When you think about it, most people do not think about this from day to day. 100% of U.S. population growth comes from multicultural communities, populations, Black, Hispanic, from the Asian American diaspora, multi-race, 100%. According to the U.S. Census, 60% of U.S. states are a majority multicultural today. This is not a, a, a project on the side. This is not a niche thing. This is real. And you cannot be a marketer in today's age and not be able to flow strategy to the broad diversity of audiences you serve. A very wise gentleman had two sayings that I heard recently. This gentleman who might be on this podcast said, it's about and not or. <laughs> it's about and reaching these communities, not or. And then he also said, this one is for free. 
He said you can market to different audiences and through. You can reach the whole, you can market to everybody through, for example, the mm -hmm. African-American experience. Think about hip hop. Hip hop yep. touches, that, that's the fabric of our lives. You can lean into that and reach the masses. So I think that's brilliant. And I think if you want to be relevant as a marketer, you better get on the train and figure out how to understand these different audiences. Okay, so I'm I'm laughing here, Larry, because uh, it, <laughs> it, it brings a smile to my face, Aisha, when you remember some of the things that I, I, I may or may not have espoused. Okay. <laughs> All right. And, and, uh, and Aisha wasn't studying, man. That's right at the front of her mind because yes. she knows what we're talking about. So that's really cool. Indeed. Uh, Aisha, Larry and I don't know what the other is going to discuss for What's Poppin' until the show. And Larry, I was literally thinking about doing something on Mark Pritchard because <laughs> uh, Jeff and I were on a call this morning, uh, Aisha, with Greg and Dan of uh, mm. UWG. They, mm. they are at the ANAs so mm. that they heard Mark Pritchard deliver this speech live so i thought about doing something like that md i just uh, have to i just want to let you know that was the uh kickoff speech oh kickoff speech oh was it okay yeah, i didn't know that yeah yeah i should have said that that was literally the kickoff speech and he said he had actually told people he's going to do something on creative execution and he unbeknownst to anybody he wanted to keep that as so, sort of something under wraps and he really wanted it to be in the forefront so he literally do it did it as a kickoff speech to ana oh Man, even better. Yeah. Uh, even better. Quick comment on uh, your What's Poppin', Larry, which I think is fantastic. Mark Pritchard and P&G have been doing this for more than a decade. Yep. So this is not new to them. Right. When he talked about uh, doing it for the business reasons, there are not many companies that have brand managers and category managers and vice presidents and so on and so forth, including... Uh, market CMO, who are not maniacally focused on the P&L. They're doing this because it's making them money. Now, they That's may right. also be doing it because it's the right thing to do, as Marcus said, but they're doing this because it's it's making them money and making right. their company more profitable. So what I would say to the brand nerds out there that are working for companies who are not adept at doing this, and this is something that Aisha said, she said, uh, uh, culturally uh, relevant and inclusive marketing today is no different than digital marketing when it came out. It's yeah. just marketing. Right. It's just marketing. So see, Aisha, I was listening to, and I, <laughs> I may or may not have put that on a couple slides that Aisha has <laughs> So here's the point, Brand Nerds, for the companies that you may be working for who are not on top of this. They're going to get killed. Yep. At the moment a competitor decides they are going to be adept at culturally relevant and inclusive marketing, and your company is not, you're going to get, as the kids would say, murked, okay? <laughs> you, you, it's not going to go well for you. you. Your lunch is going to be eaten. So that's that's my what's, that's my response to yours, Pop and Larry. Yeah, just before we, I kick it to you, I was blown away by this. That's why I obviously wanted to, uh, to have it surface. And I thought, wow, this is so great that we have Aisha as a guest because it's, it's tailor-made for Aisha to provide her amazing commentary on it. I'll quickly add that... Uh, you know, to your point, D, if you don't take the view of truly who your consumer is, and if you're B2B, yeah. who your customer is, 
and really start there. That's really where this has to start, right? Yeah. And it's a ground up exercise. Yeah. And you then market accordingly. That's what you have to do. That's not a general market approach. That's actually understanding who your consumer is and then act accordingly. So general market is complete BS. You're going for the, who that consumer is. And you, you really have to make sure that you're connecting with them on the most, what we call emotionally connective tissue uh, way. So, sure. so just quickly, before we go to you, Aisha, and your what's popping, quick case study that Aisha is familiar with. On Sprite, we did culturally relevant and inclusive yep. marketing. We did. It is a top global brand now that people in 200 countries consume liberally. <laughs> and we did that, the repositioning of it, uh, largely through black and brown culture. That is what we did. At the time we started, 7up was the dominant player and they were the general market brand. Yep. They did not respond to what we were doing with Sprite. They are now, they used to be the boss. They are now the footstool. That yep. can happen, people. Yeah. All right, Aisha, what's your what's popping? So <clears throat> hip hop is on my mind. The night before last, I had the pleasure to attend an event run by Hip Hop Public Health. Mm. And they're an organization that uses the power of hip hop to help to bring health education and action to, to the Black community amongst others. So I went to this event because uh, Dougie was there, Dougie Fresh. Dougie oh, Fresh, okay. Uh, I love Dougie Chuck, Fresh. Chuck, Chuck D, DMC, That's the great love. run DMC, Ashanti, several others. So to be honest, when I first heard about it, I said, oh, I'm going to hear some great performances. But mm -hmm. they didn't perform. They were there talking about health because they have this organization, which has absolutely no relation to my, my company. So no type of advertisement where, where my job is concerned. This is an organization that has created reams and reams of content of hip hop songs, of beats to help the community understand the signs of stroke, uh, the importance uh -huh. of, of different types of hygiene and how it relates to illness, you know, lessons about cancer. So I did want to give them a shout out because this is the 50th year anniversary of hip hop. And uh -huh. so they're looking at how they can take this education of the community to the next level. And I just want to read something that DMC said in the quote, because I thought it was powerful. He said, hip hop dictates how people talk. Hip hop dictates how people dress. Hip hop dictates what people drive. Hip hop can lead the way in health to save lives. So I just thought that was popping oh, yeah. in terms of a different approach because I had not heard of the group, a different approach to think about another way to be culturally inclusive and relevant to something that's so applicable to all in this healthcare space. There's so much opportunity for healthcare to embrace all these principles that we're talking about. Wow. Well, you 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 know I'm feeling that because it's the hips and the hops. But Larry, yeah, same here. You know that. Um, I'm truth be told, I'm an older hip hop head. You know, and and uh, and grew up with all the folks that you just mentioned. So uh, that's the music that really resonates with me. And I think it's really cool that th that um, that there's the symbiotic nature now as we all get older, right? That 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 group is now involved in something that's uh, really positive on the healthcare front. 
Right. Yeah, I, I thought it was wonderful to see them committed, you know, to to that, and they tour and they do different things on this health healthcare ah. tip, if I may. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. I love. And, and what's the name of the organization again, Aisha? Hip Hop Public Health. Hip Hop Public Health. Got it. We should put that in the show notes. We should, as well as the the facts that Aisha gave earlier about the uh, the difference between you, your image, and then exposure. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we should do both of those. All right. So here's my response to your what's happening, uh, what's popping, uh, Aisha. Uh, I'm going to go outside of hip hop and go to a product. When bacon, uh, when bacon soda was discovered a long time ago, the way it was used was to clean your teeth, brush your teeth. Mm. So then, uh, then it was used in products to clean clothes. Then it was used to do baking. Now baking, uh, baking powder is used in as many things uh, as those things, including putting in your refrigerator and freezer to absorb smell. So it doesn't mm -hmm. smell like food. The point here is that baking powder may have been created for one thing, but it has voluminous applications. Mm. The same is true of hip hop. Mm -hmm. Hip hop, because of its power, what, D what DMC said, shout DMC, run DMC, rest in peace, Jam Master J. Hip hop can be leveraged to do just about anything. Mm. And it, it has already been done on the private sector side. It is time now to have hip hop be equally leveraged on the public side, with, with the caveat though, on the private side, hip hop has been leveraged how unfortunately largely black and brown people have not benefited economically from this asset that they created. Mm -hmm. And I would like for my yearning and craving is for uh, black and brown people on the health side of this with hip hop to benefit from the from what the art that they created, that's it. Mm -hmm. Totally yeah. agree. Great, what's popping? All right, I've got one. I happen to be at the number one empowerment summit for black men in the nation over the weekend in Chicago. And again, not uh, not believing in coincidences is what I said at the top of the show. I did not know Aisha was going to share. Uh, what she shared in terms of her what's popping. Uh, who was there in the audience? Dougie Fresh, <laughs> among others. So uh, some of the speakers were uh, Dame Dash, Fat Joe, Master P, mm. uh, Doctors, uh, Max Siegel. He's the CEO of uh, uh, the United States Track and Field uh, Federation. So these are giants. Aisha and Larry, uh, Percy, Master P, shared a story. And Aisha, I shared this with Larry and Jeff, I think yes. yesterday, so I'm gonna share it briefly with you. Please do, it's, it's a part. great story. Yeah. So the first song that, uh, that Master P, by the way, folks who don't know Master P, he is a former rapper, but also entrepreneur who launched the No Limit music label out of New Orleans. And he has since become an entrepreneur in various and sundry areas, movies, TV, 
consumer packaged goods, et cetera. So he, th- th- he's a juggernaut, okay? So it, it, it really makes me smile sometimes when Puff is written about, this is a story about Master P. Puff is written about, and then he's written about, this is in mainstream media, rapper uh, 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 Sean Puffy Combs or Diddy. Like, no, this dude, no disrespect to rappers. Rappers are great. This dude is a multi-hyphenate business person. So Master P is that. So he's talking about his first record that he believed in. It blew up in New Orleans. And you'll remember this, Aisha, it was called Bout It, Bout It. (laughs) Some of you brand nerds, you may be thinking, what what happened to the A? About it, about it. The A vanished. Bout It, Bout It. That was his, his song. But he knew for his company to grow, he had to get a distribution and had to market the song across the country. So he goes to L.A., Aisha. Mm. He goes to the program director of one of the top stations in L.A. It may have been the top station in L.A. that, that played hip-hop music. And he goes in with Bout It, Bout It, and the, and the program director or DJ, might have been the same, says, no, 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 Master P, why don't you bring me something new next week? So Master P said, yes, yes, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring you something next week that you really like. <laughs> and then the program director said, great. He, would, he came in the next week, he had Bout It, Bout It. <laughs> so he, the program director said, okay I, "Okay, I need you to come back again with something. I know you you have a studio. You could certainly give me another song." And then Masterpiece says, dutifully, "Yep, I, I, I guarantee you, I'm gonna bring you something you like." He comes back again with "Bout It, Bout It." So this goes on for eight months, and the program director clearly thinks Master P is out of his mind. So then. Last meeting, Master P says, just play the song. Just play it once. He plays it. The DJ or program director plays it. And people are calling in. Hey, what's, what's up about it, about it? What's up about it, about it? By the way, I should say this. The Blueprint Men's Summit, which is where I saw uh, uh, Master P do this, is the creation and founded by Lewis Carr, who's president of media at BET and a very good friend of mine. So shout Lou. And was a guest on Brands Beats and Bites. And a guest on Brands Beats and Bites. They called us out for not having any beats. So uh, so it it blows up. So this starts a national eruption. Masterpiece point, Larry and and Aisha, was had he succumbed to the request to give a new song, Mm. then that program director would not have known that he really believed in Bout It, Bout It. And mm. since he stayed in that lane for eight months, it was the it was the absolute manifestation of persistence and mm. him saying to the program director, I believe in this so much, I would come back to you this many times weekly. You should believe in it too. So mm. what's popping for me is persistence and belief in your dreams. That's what's mm. popping for me. Your thoughts. Aisha? Listen, I, 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 I hear that it's powerful. I never heard that story before. It's powerful. And I think for me in this conversation, which is like a free therapy conversation reflected mm-hmm. on the light, I, I agree with that, right? No matter, and as I sit here at this organization, this great organization, shout out Research for Action, that develops education solutions for the underprivileged. I agree with that. That's the story of my life. Persistence that no matter where you come from, you want more. 
Persistence that even when you have more, you want to see it on the global stage. Persistence to be able to jump out and leave one company you've been at your whole life, but go on because you believe there's more somewhere else. So I respect that story. And I think that, you know, even if you don't have this, you know, story of, of, of sort of challenge and, and triumph in life, wherever you are as a brand leader, think about what you believe in. As long as you know it's right, you have the case, you've done your research, you believe there's something in it, don't let it die with the first no that you get. You right. can have something that's going to revolutionize, whether it's right, the company, whether it's music with Masterpiece, mm -hmm. you have to give it a couple of shots if you believe in it. So I, I love that story. That inspires me tremendously. Mm. Uh, it's an amazing story. I want to add one nuanced comment uh, to the brand nerds out there. Uh, as we have this conversation, because it, it, D, you shared this with us the other day, and I love it. Uh, one of the things that Master P did adroitly and brilliantly was that he was, he didn't give up, but he also, what he practiced being patiently aggressive. And that mm. sounds like an oxymoron, but we talk about this all the time with our business. And what that means is, you know, when you hear the stories about people calling somebody every morning, I got to tell you, that's stalker-ish. And I think most of the time that does not work. But he did it every week. Did you notice that? Yeah, every yeah, yeah. Week, every week, yeah. For eight months. He didn't do it every day. He didn't and do it so, every day, yeah. So the, the dude understood he wasn't crazy, you know, in the sense that he wasn't just, you know, like a stalker, but he wasn't yeah. giving up. Mm. And, yeah. and so it, understanding that nuance, I think, is really important to be patiently aggressive. And it's a great story and great example of being patiently aggressive. And Dee, I want to ask you a question because you always talk about this. You know how you say, well, wh what do you always tell us when somebody says no? How do you think about that? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Keep going, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. When someone says no, I say hello. It's the beginning of the conversation. Bingo. Yeah. Patiently aggressive. Larry, I have so many notes from this conversation. I love that. Patiently aggressive. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. No, that's great. What a conversation. This has been amazing. You know, Aisha, we knew this would be great, and it was even better. So we thank mm -hmm. you for it. We're going to mm -hmm. go to the show close now to our learnings. So, Dee, shall I go first? Please. All right. So Jeff will be happy. I have five, Jeff. Nice odd number. Oh, yeah. He's, 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 he's effusive. He's That's effusive. right. That's right. There were many more, but I culled it down to the, these five, which I think is, is really great. Okay. So the first one is brand nerds. Open, open, open to new things. You think about what Aisha talked about back at Franklin and Marshall with, the, with having to take Spanish and just being open and having that open view of everything is so key. And we, we see how that spawns so much, being open to living in, uh, in new countries and being open to everything. It's just so important to so be open. Number two, working and living abroad is an amazing experience for growth professionally and personally. And Aisha's prime example of that. So it's not for everyone, but if you think uh, if, if you, it's going to be a little uncomfortable, but if you think it's something that you're interested in, seize it. Mm -hmm. Number three, I should just said this almost under her breath because she lives this, but I love this one. Number three, good brands make you feel something. Mm -hmm. Love that one. Mm -hmm. And number four, I love the example of Gene, and I'm going to 
keep it concise and simple, Aisha, what, uh, what you learned from Gene. Be bold, be inclusive, and be yourself. Mm -hmm. And then number five, in your career, I think it's really important, uh, the, the story of, of Aisha's biggest F up, um, taking it to the next level, is finding that great balance of we and me. As Aisha mm -hmm. said, taking credit when it's yours to take, but you also need to ensure that you give your teammates the genuine credit that they deserve. So mm -hmm. finding that balance is really critical. Those are my five. Strong, Larry. Strong, brother. Aisha, I've been blessed in my life. I've had the opportunity to work with some fabulous people on some phenomenal brands and projects in extraordinary places all over the world. Yeah. When my time comes to go, and I hope that I have the ability to reflect when it's my time to go, I bet I'm not gonna remember the projects. I may not necessarily remember where I was. I won't remember the money that's made, but what I will remember and cherish are the people. Mm -hmm. You are a special human being, Aisha mm -hmm. Williams, a special human being. And when we are doing the uh, these podcasts, I attempt to absorb this the the humanness of the person before me and sometimes in that process Aisha what comes to me is what's the essence of this person and um, I'd like to attempt to tell you what has been spoken to me today uh, by you and through you let me go back um your undergraduate work at Franklin Marshall. Had anyone in your family attended Franklin Marshall? No. No, okay. Um, had anyone uh, in your family gone to uh, and completed an undergrad, your immediate family? Uh, no. No, okay. So you were the first. Got it. You then go to, uh, to Snapple. Uh, had anyone in your family ever worked at a company like Snapple, Cadbury Swepps? No, no. Okay, so you first there. Then you go to um, you go to um, GSK, and this is an area where you worked in that. If you have the tobacco industry on one side with the products that they are selling, this is the other side. Like, okay, how mm -hmm. do we help you no longer do that, or at least not do it as often? Mm -hmm. Then you go to Rio de, de Janeiro. Um, had anyone in your family ever worked in a job that took them international? <laughs> Heck no. <laughs> no, you hadn't had done that. Okay. Then you became country manager. Uh, and, and then you go, you, you, you're GSK twice and you are, uh, you're on the board of Girl Exec. You told us what research and action does. What does Girl Exec do? If I may give a shout out, Girl Exec is yeah. a, a, a passion project that my good friend Christy, we've been friends for 25 years and I did yeah. together. It is 26, sort of a six month course, if you will. It's five to 10 minute videos where we as a way of giving back, think about all the things we wish somebody had told us Ooh. growing up in that early professional, maybe your first management role. And we just break down again in five to 10 minutes, 
little tips to just give young professionals a boost. So we have one called how to launch a global career. We have one called, you know, how to how to manage a mentor relationship, how to find a sponsor. So shout out to Girl Exec on YouTube, G-I-R-L-E-X-E-C. <laughs> I was it's gonna awesome. ask you to, to say it and, and <laughs> say note again, show notes. Let's make sure we put it in the show notes. It's, it's open, it's for women and, and men. But if you are growing in your career, you're you're just reaching that point where you could be maybe considered a little bit dangerous and you want to boost. This was our way at home during the pandemic to continue to give back to that next generation of leaders. Thank you, Aisha, for talking with us about Girl Exec. And the word that you, the two words you said, there's that you break down, break down things for um, women. And I suppose anybody that wants to go see this is probably good content. All right, so that's nine different things, Aisha, over the course of your career where you have been the first at something, new territory. You're now in the role here at J&J uh, and Jansen of culturally relevant and inclusive marketing. And earlier in the show, we talked about how that is a newly created role, a newly created role. So that's your professional life as it relates to new things. Let's do a bridge over to the personal. You shared two stories. One was when you were in college, you failed a test, English test, or a language test in Spanish that was basically Buenos Dias and Hola. You failed that. You then took the cla a class, because since you failed the test, of Spanish class, and you fell in love. Mm -hmm. So you failed and then failed. Failed mm -hmm. and then failed. And then you talked about Gene. You said, Gene, uh, after you go into this meeting and you have we, 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 not the French we, but we, plural <laughs> we, you gave away your power and the leader did not know what you did. In fact, they then, they, they, they then transferred over your we to someone else. Oh, great work, you, as in I, not you, as in and then you talk to talk to Gene, and 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 then you said this is never going to happen again. It's never going to happen again. I can imagine that you must have felt a little broken in the moment, like mm -hmm. wow, like yeah. I did all of this and I was not recognized. So Gene goes and talks to the leader and straightens it up, but she does this for you. And then you said uh, you like this hip hop public health thing. Talked about how public health is is uh, uh, important to you and how hip hop has a way of doing this. And you want you wanted to see, like, you thought maybe there was gonna be a performance. <laughs> a lot of times uh, hip hop comes, it, 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 in the South Bronx, it emanated Aisha from a broken place mm -hmm. and became all that it became from a broken place. And then you talked about when we had, what are you most proud of? You talked about your spouse, Brian, his support, his love. But you also mentioned in order for you to take on an opportunity, he had to leave his dream job. Mm -hmm. Like, just, I don't know, Brian, but I can imagine. Mm -hmm. Oh, baby, I love you. But I, I just, I can imagine feeling a little broken. Mm -hmm. Ah, 
I can imagine if it's a little broken. So I say all this to say the following. There's a pattern in your life, Aisha. And I believe at your essence, as brands, when brands are focused and they understand their essence, particularly their essence as it relates to an emotional connection, mm. I believe your gift to this world is that you are a mold breaker mm. and mold maker. Mm. Mold breaker and mold maker. And that allows you to go into new areas where it may not be figured out, slightly broken, maybe fully broken, and then find a way to take that brokenness and make it into something majestic. Mm. Professionally and personally, baby, I know, I know you just mm -hmm. got this job. Trust me, it's going to work out. Look at what's happened with your career. Mm -hmm. with, with, with girl exec. I know y'all don't know what's going on. I know there's a lot of stuff happening, but check out these videos, check out this content and it might do something for your life e e extraordinary. Mm -hmm. This is your gift, Aisha. I believe this is your gift. Well, look, I, I don't know what to say to that other than I'm gonna write it on a big red sticky and put it on all my mirrors. But <laughs> but I, I'm really grateful for this conversation and I have to respond to that the way I started it at the beginning. I'm extremely blessed. Uh, it's not a religious podcast, but I'm extremely blessed by God. And so there's a song, an old gospel song, uh, one of the goodies, get your hand clapped and it says, Ben, don't break. Mm. Um, mm. I, had, I, had, I, had to, I was in that mode. And, you know, I'm just trying to make a difference at the end of the day. So thank you so much for having this, having me on your conversations today. Well, you are making a difference. And thank you. Uh, we've been blessed to have you on the show. We appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Well, that's a great show close there. Uh, so thanks for listening to Brands, Beats and Bites, recorded virtually on Zoom and a production of KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM radio and worldwide at KZSU.org. The executive producers are Jeff Shirley, Daryl D.C. Cobbin, Larry Tame and Haley Cobbin, Jay Tate and Tom Dioro. The Pod Pada. That's right. And if you are listening to us via podcast, it would be great if you can please rate and review us. Additionally, if you do like the show, please subscribe and share. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and we look forward to next time where we will have more insightful and enlightening talk about marketing with another great business leader as our guest. If you wish to contact us, our email is brandsbeatsbytes at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that is brands, B-R-A-N-D-S, beats, B-E-A-T-S, bytes, B-Y as in yellow, T-E-S at kzsu.stanford.edu.